we tried to copy other people's organizational structures we looked at an airbnb we looked at an amazon we looked at all of these like great companies and we tried to cut copy paste their organizational structures without forgetting two things that org structures take time to come into fruition right you may start out with one organizational structure but as you scale and grow it will become more complex and it will change i think for us um, we just we 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 try to complicate what should have been a really lean organization so welcome to the playbook podcast i'm back in delhi and i'm sitting down with suchita salwan of lbb she's the founder of lbb so welcome to the podcast suchita thank you let's start from the start also the idea of this conversation is to really get under the hood and uh, the business that you are building of helping people discover things that they they don't know uh, i mean this clutter of information is very interesting especially if through india lens if you go to look at it mm. but before we get on that uh, uh, you know playbook tell us more about yourself like where did you come from and uh, why did you decide to build lbb in first place um so thanks for having me pankaj um, uh, on the playbook which i call uh, the show where kids who aren't cool enough to be on our outliers are invited <laughs> i am happy to be one of those kids uh, slash entrepreneurs uh, <laughs> um okay so about me um, as you can tell i have a great sense of humor uh, but that skill aside um, i've been born and brought up in delhi i've lived here my whole entire life um, i went to college here so i'm a Delhi University proud Hindu college economic honors graduate um when i was younger you know i've i've sort of i've grown up in a family where work was everything so whether it was my grandfather grandmother my mother my father everyone just always worked all the time um and a lot of that came from uh, the fact that you know my great grandfather moved to india from um uh, peshawar um and uh, and he sort of you know set up his base in india and 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 he was an uneducated man right who came to our country with nothing and he had to build himself up so i think that philosophy you know was ingrained in my grandfather ingrained in my father and it sort of percolated down to me so my upbringing was super interesting my um, you know my parents were always out my mom's a doctor my dad's a lawyer uh, they were always out um, uh, and and i think what they really instilled in me was you know work for a purpose um they never they never really obviously you know everyone works for money but for them their key goal was you know i i want to work purposefully um and i see that with my mom even today she's you know 55 going on um uh, 56 this year and she's just always lived her life with this like crazy purpose of learning and growing every step of the way and i think that 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 sort of shaped the way um i don't just operate but also the way i live right where everything is done very purposefully um uh, whether it's my morning yoga or my coffee or my you know company everything's everything's done with 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 a very clear mission to want to create a change and create an impact no matter how large or small it may be um how i stumbled upon nbb is super interesting um uh so i've um, i worked in delhi as well i used to work at wiscraft and uh, the bbc right after that and in both of these companies i sort of i worked in startup teams right so at wiscraft i was actually a part of the team that worked on the opening and closing ceremony of the commonwealth games uh, which was incredible definitely not for the faint hearted 
Um, it's probably the only thing that I've done that has been tougher than starting up LBB. Um, it's an incredible experience. And then I joined the BBC where again I worked as a part of a startup team. So um, a BBC launches channel, I don't know if you remember, it was called BBC Entertainment India. And they launched shows like Top Gear and Sherlock and you know all of these great shows, we brought them to India. So I was a part of a six-member team that launched the channel. Um, and in both my experiences, I was blessed with great bosses. Um, I was blessed with bosses who very categorically said that this is your one-line problem statement, go figure. Uh, and I think that that energy is fun, right? Because then you're sort of, you either sink or you swim. Uh, and in that pursuit to keep swimming, uh, you know, you find yourself doing things that you thought you would just not be able to do um, in the most seamless way possible. So both of those experiences were phenomenal. Um, actually, when I was with the BBC, I was trying to figure out a way to get out of Delhi. Um, <laughs> so my one key requirement for myself in life was, you know, I have to I've been here for too long. I've like lived here, like everything has happened over here only. I need to find a way to get out. Um, but the BBC pays well. So I didn't really have um, enough of an incentive to pack up and leave. Um, and what I started doing on the weekends was, um, you know, I, I started just wanting to discover my city through a new lens and in a new way. So every single weekend, I would basically go to a new part of town, whether it was a Majnu Kartila or a Changni Chowk or, you know, some remote corner of Gurgaon. Um, and I would just start exploring um, and, you know, and, and walking around, checking out stores, cafes, going to, you know, a, a, street, a street food store next door. And that whole experience for me was just fascinating because I realized, you know, holy shit, I've lived in Delhi my whole entire life and I didn't even know half of these things exist. And why don't I know half of these things exist? Um, and, and I think when I started scratching the surface and digging a little deeper, if you had to Google search, right, the, the way information is presented to you is it's your top 10, 15 links. Yeah. Um, and only if you're curious enough, do you end up going to a page five or a page six, right? Um, and the problem is the best things are usually on a page five and a page six. Um, so my goal became how do, how do we bring that page five, six of these typical listing platforms, whether it's a Justile or Google, how do we draw customers' attention to those businesses? Because that's where the gems really lie. Um, and then when I started digging deeper into the market opportunity, a lot of what I found was um, in India, unlike the West, right, um, less than 6% of retail is owned by the top 10 retailers versus, say, the West, where that number is as high as 50%, right? Um, so your Macy's, Target, Walmart, etc. They own 50% of retail. While in India, there are hardly gin chunk right? Whose names you can say who are really owning retail in India. Um, and really, the opportunity that I saw was the the India story is built in that medium to long tail. Uh, the India story is in those medium to long tail of local businesses. That's where India eats. That's where India shops. That's where India goes for events. Um, and India, I mean, not just India 1, but India 2, 3, or whatever new India's, uh, our lovely startup ecosystem wants to come up with. Um, yeah, so I, I think, um, uh, you know, that's really what the incentive became, which is, um, it's a huge opportunity. Everyone's focusing on page one. How do I go page five and beyond? And how do I bring those businesses, you know, to the forefront? And that's really how LBB started. So it started as a humble Tumblr page. Um, it evolved, you know, to a website and app. Um, I've, we've obviously gone through many permutations and combinations of the business um, in trying to find product market fit. And then after finding product market fit, how do you scale the business up? Um, and it's been it's been incredible. Before we get 
to the playbook. Yeah. Where are you now? I mean, give me a sense of uh, whatever scale or yeah. complexity of yeah, yeah, yeah. the business. So where we're at right now is um, we went from about 100,000 monthly active users to four, four and a half million monthly active users um, <clears throat> in just about um, three, three and a half years. Um, for us, 80 to 90% of our growth is still organic. Um, so most of the users coming to our app or going to our website are, um, you know, either it's a lot of it is peer to peer sharing. So I will share a link with you. You'll end up downloading our app and that's how we've been able to grow. Um, we uh, up until recently we hadn't raised very much uh, uh, you know we hadn't raised very much money so we had to count on our consumers being our evangelists um, and growing the business up from there uh, we've actually doubled our revenue year on year continuously for the past uh, three years now uh, we went from a team of three to today a team of 110 people uh, we started out only in Delhi today we're present in eight cities in India um, three years ago, we hardly had uh, two, three thousand businesses listed on LBB. Today, we have over a hundred thousand great local businesses recommended on LBB. Uh, earlier, our content used to come from our own team. Uh, today, we have a network of over fifteen thousand contributors and users who post regularly on LBB. Um, our business model earlier was um, only ad revenue. Um, today, uh, you know, we have commerce. Uh, which is now growing at a 35 to 40% month on month. Um, that's, you know, that's driving GMV top line to our business. And, uh, and of course, more than what it's driving to our business, it's helping a lot of local merchants make money like they've never seen before, right? Um, so that's, that's where we're at today versus what we were at three, three and a half, four years ago. Quite a journey. <laughs> Quite a journey. <laughs> okay. So now let's try and uh, open up the playbook itself. Yeah. Uh, from being a Tumblr blog to where LBB is today, mm -hmm. it's been quite a journey. Yeah. So, so uh, can you take me through the building blocks? Mm -hmm. and, and a little before that, what made you believe that this is no, not just a blog, mm. this could be something else? What was that trigger? Tipping, yeah, trigger. Mm. And then uh, let's uh, understand the core building blocks. Yeah. And then we will get into failures. And Got it. Yeah. Got it. So I think for me, the big tipping point was uh, two things. We were growing without spending a single dollar. So we went from zero to 100,000 uh, monthly active users without spending even like half a rupee on marketing. Um, and all of that happened just in Delhi, right? Um, and our ability to acquire users and actually retain users was incredible. So uh, there is a significant cohort of our users even today who've been using our website before we had an app, um, you know, for uh, three, three and a half odd years. Um, so we, so I think for me, the big trigger was look at the LTV on this consumer, right? They're sticking around with the product for longer than they are on other transactional platforms. Um, and I think for me, just being able to grow at that pace and grow organically was incredible. Um, I hadn't seen it happen often enough, um, or at least in the companies that I was analyzing, I hadn't seen it happen with any other company. We actually very quickly went from being a Tumblr page to being a well-known brand and a recognized brand uh, in Delhi. Uh, and again, like I said, without spending a single rupee. And I think the second big trigger was um, the magic of being recommended on LBBR. Like we would be inundated with calls and we still are today, thankfully, where businesses would just say, hey, I was recommended on LBB and it changed my trajectory. Um, where restaurants would say, hey, I was recommended on LBB and for three months I was packed. Or events would say, you know, I was listed on LBB and suddenly my workshop was filled up or my stadium was full because of this recommendation. 
And I think it was in those two triggers, one, what we were being able to do on the consumer side, and the second, the impact on the merchant, right? Um, I think that for me was a big trigger in terms of where can this go? And what happens when we stretch the boundaries of um, what we think LBB can do and can become? Um, so I think that was the trigger. And uh, when you think of the building blocks of LBB, really what we are at the end, end of the day is we're kind of in, we're like an agent, right? In between, um, it's kind of like a C to B to C business where consumers recommend businesses and then those uh, businesses are then read by other consumers. And the goal is that the consumers who are discovering all of these businesses through our platform end up wanting to connect with the business. And that connection could be defined as they call the business, they go to the business's website, um, they literally land up at that business's doorstep, uh, or they end up transacting from the business in some shape, size, form, or whatever else, right? So for us, the building blocks are um, community, huge building block for us. Um, and the reason why I say community is um, today about 80% of our information comes from our users. And uh, we've actually found a way to launch in a city in less than 10 days because of the power of our community. So the way it would work is, um, for example, Goa, right? It took us about five days to launch Goa. And how that happened was we literally asked our users from Delhi, Bombay, Bangalore to post their recommendations of things to do in Goa. Um, and because of the pace at which, um, uh, you know, migrations taking place within India, um, someone working in a Bombay is likely to have come from a Hyderabad or likely to have come from a Calcutta. And you can suddenly activate your users in Bombay to start creating information for you about businesses that they love in the hometowns that they've come from. So for us, community is a huge piece. Um, we invest a lot of time in it, uh, not enough money. Community takes time to build. Uh, no, there's no amount of money that you can throw that can help you create that community because community is built on the core principle that people love giving to you uh, without you paying them. Uh, that, in my opinion, is the like hallmark of a great community. So um, how, how, what went inside building this engagement with the community you're talking about? I understand the time bit, yeah. but how did you spend that time yeah. in doing this? So I think step number one was um, we um, were very particular about the people who created content on LBB in our first two years. So we were very particular about the type of people who we hired uh, to write for LBB or create videos or whatever else for LBB, which was our in-house team. I think what that did was that set a very good precedence for what kind of information belongs on LBB and, and what kind of information can be on LBB, but it's also only present on other channels. So can you discover Domino's on LBB? 100% yes. Uh, but is Domino's the reason why you may be opening the LBB app every single day? Probably not. Um, so I think for us, um, uh, identifying those key people who you know we brought on board to create that initial set of content for us was key. Because what that did was it set, it set the right expectation with our normal users. Um, uh, you know, and our users could be people like you and me who have full-time jobs, uh, you know, or um, uh, maybe working from home or whatever else, uh, but they love exploring. So they identify themselves as explorers. And these explorers, um, they, they could be interested in fashion, they could be interested in home decor, they could be interested in eating out, etc., etc. Uh, but they basically use these interests of theirs um, to, you know, to build up their personality or their, you know, sense of being. And I think because these explorers started using LBB as consumers, 
a lot of what they found was that they were living vicariously through this platform right like they were finding all of these cool things that they could do uh, which then they would end up doing with their free time uh, because of the information that they found on lbb um and then we you know and then the goal became how do we pull these explorers into our platform and get them to create content for us as well uh and so it started step number 1 was seed the content right but then step number 2 was let that content attract people who want to use that content to become more of their ideal self or grow more deeply into their interests and then get them to start creating information and content um, you know on our app and web um obviously today there's a big rewards program associated with the community so the more often you post on lbb you get points and you can use those points to shop from um our uh, commerce platforms so you can use those points to shop from merchants who are selling on lbb so we've obviously grown that model and scaled it um fairly significantly over the past year year and a half but that was our building block around community what what were some of the biggest challenges you faced on the community aspect mm. and i'm putting a lot more spotlight on community because yeah. it seems to be the very core of everything yep. that you're doing so can you illustrate some of the challenges uh, that you encountered on this community journey yeah. uh, which anyone who is trying to build a business around communities mm-hmm. would face and how did you uh, deal with it any one or two in particular so i think the biggest challenge is how do you like i said earlier right like how do you make someone create content for you without you paying them um it's really easy to hire 100000 freelancers pay them token amounts and get them to create information uh but look at what instagram has been able to do look at what youtube has been able to do uh where because of them setting the right benchmark in terms of you know what kind of content will be rewarded on the platform you suddenly have people like you and me creating ridiculous amounts of information on instagram or on youtube or on any of these other platforms uh which is unique to that platform itself right So I think for us the biggest challenge was how do you make this an attractive enough platform where people actually want to come and contribute because it's a it's a great platform to be seen on um and then how do you use that as a way to empower these uh you know consumers for the which we've done through our rewards program etc that was the hardest thing to solve for um and it took us like a good year and a half to two years to fix that um and again like I said you can't buy this uh if you buy it you can never stop buying it uh so the, and the way i would describe that is if you spend money on getting your first 10000 users to create content on your platform it's a lifetime thing right then you're then you then you'll never ever be able to get organic content created on your platform in a meaningful way because people will expect the platform to be transactional mm-hmm. um and that's where seeding that information hiring the right people getting them to create content helping our consumer understand what's the bar or the benchmark for lbb um uh, you know how how do you create content which actually drives impact to the merchant at the end of the day we did a lot of analysis um, and data crunching on that um and that's and it actually took us about a year and a half to two years to launch our user generated content platform uh, so we were also very we 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 kept our platform fairly guarded um and the goal was intentional the goal was that when we open the floodgates um our ability to curate should be much more than any other platform so for example um 60% of the information created on lbb actually goes live 
um, to our whole consumer base. So what I mean by that is anyone can post, but say for instance, if you're posting on LBB, not all of your information is um, viewable by all our consumers. Uh, it can be viewable by people following you, but our whole consumer base won't see it. Today, 60%, and that's a crazy number, right? Like 60% yeah. of information that gets created on, on LBB goes out to our whole consumer base. So what's like inside it in terms of curation, moderate? So we use a lot of, we do a mix of machine and a mix of um, uh, an in-house QC team. Uh, so uh, for instance, a lot of what we've, uh, so a lot of the data points that we guys created was how do you know that a consumer really cared about the business that they recommended on LBB? Uh, because for us, the whole game is built around one key metric, which is conversion, right? Was my post about um, Sleepy Owl Coffee exciting enough for Punkaj is a user to want to get in touch with Sleepy Owl in the first place. So the whole the whole game of creating on LBB is, am I creating content about this merchant so passionately that it'll excite, you know, thousands of other people who are reading this post to actually want to get in touch with this merchant. So a lot of what we've done on the machine side is we've I, we've created these like key triggers, um, which could be, for example, how many pictures has a user uploaded or how long is a post or how many, what kind of words have they used in the post, which will help the end reader or the end consumer or user, or, you know, looking at this recommendation, uh, will it give them enough data points to actually get in touch with the merchant? Uh, and of course, other things like how do we, so for instance, what we don't optimize for is how quickly can you create content on LBB? Because then you just have garbage coming in, right? Like this place is awesome. What do I do as a consumer? What do I do with a description which is as short as this place is awesome? Why is it awesome, bhai? Like, go to badao. Because that's why I'll make an effort to actually go to this merchant or engage with this particular business. So I think, um, so machine handles about like 70% of the grunt work is done, um, you know, um, within product um, and using tech itself. 30% of it is just, you know, uh, data QC where we just make sure that the address, contact number, etc. is inputted correctly, the website details are correct, there's a clear consumer flow, there's no inappropriate content or inappropriate words that have been added, um, you know, in the post. So that's what our QC team does, but that's the way we build it up. This is fascinating. Because, you know, I'll be honest, like, I discovered uh, Dresswell Goyen. Okay. Yeah, I, I wear those cotton hoodies and I was okay. looking for someone who can stitch them. Okay. And... Uh, I discovered him on LV. Amazing guy. Yeah. yeah. And then I think what you're saying makes sense because uh, the description mm. was so passionately written. Yeah. It even described the person and his behavior. Yeah. Forget the craft. Yeah. Uh, and and that was uh, like I really wanted to meet the guy. Yep. <laughs> so I'll give you a data point, right? Mm. Uh, we see on our app, we see a conversion of in between 18 to 30 percent, depending on the category from a person viewing a post to actually getting in touch with a business. And what we have seen is that there is, at least in our product, and obviously our product is designed in a way where it optimizes for our thesis, goes without saying. But what we have seen is that there is no correlation in between the number of reviews and the propensity or the likelihood of a person to get in touch with a business. So I don't need 7,000 people to write reviews about Dresswell Goel for you to want to get in touch with Mr. Dresswell Goel. Uh, I need that one person to create content like they mean it, right? Like from the bottom of their heart, um, which will help uh, drive, uh, you know, uh, inquiries or whatever else to 
Jaswell Goel, the the business that you found through LBB. So that's what we have seen. And actually, if you if you start looking at other mediums as well, whether you look at a YouTube or you look at a um, Instagram, I don't need six hundred quote unquote influencers or people who I'm following to you know to to talk about the same business or to recommend the same merchant or whatever else it is that they're tagging in their posts. If I trust you and I trust you enough, um, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Um, and that's a lot of what we optimize for. So the goal isn't in volume, 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 volume uh, per merchant. The goal is, yes, overall volume. Let's grow our recommended merchant base from 100,000 to 1 million over the next year. Uh, but while we are growing that volume up, let's make sure that every new recommendation that's coming in is actually giving the consumer enough data points to make a decision of whether they should get in touch with the business or not. And this goes to our original thesis, right, which is uh, a consumer of today, which is, and the way we define consumer of today is millennials, right? They, ha they haven't grown up in the age where the choices are limited. They don't need a yellow pages, uh, because they're now, uh, your yellow pages are like 6 million pages long, right? Um, I don't, I'm not looking to, I'm not looking for options. I'm looking to make a choice. And there's a difference in between, in between the two. So I'm not looking for you to inundate me with information or inundate me with 600 businesses that I can go to to find cotton hoodies. Who will save me time, be at a great price uh, and get my job done. Um, and at the end, end of the day, that's what consumers want, right? They have a job to be done. Who is a merchant who will do my job? I don't want to go to six of them because I don't have that time. Just make life easy for me. Uh, and I think that's the fundamental difference in the way we approach local discovery versus the way other folks, and not to say that there is right or wrong, local discovery, in my opinion, is a massive market, right? Like it's, it's owning all of local commerce. No one person is going to be able to do it. And there are enough people to play in this. There are enough categories to be played um, in as well. Uh, but I think the fundamental differentiator for us is we're not in the business of options, we're in the business of choice. Um, we're, not, um, uh, we're not a television set, we're Netflix, right? Um, we, 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 don't want, we don't want you to browse endlessly, we want you to find that one show that will make you want to stick with our platform for a period of time and that's what it comes down to for us. Fascinating. Uh, <coughs> let's also quickly understand the playbook for making money. Yeah. Like at what point in time uh, you started making money mm -hmm. and how, and how has that evolved mm -hmm. over three years? Mm -hmm. What does, what went behind that? Mm -hmm. So we've always made money. Um, and um, there are different kinds of founders, right? There are some people who are very comfortable with growing at a crazy pace and not caring about their bottom line or top line. I am not one of those. Um, and I accepted that like three years ago, like I need to figure out a way in which this business, at least to me, makes sense, especially if I'm going to invest the next, you know, X many years of my life in building this up. So we've always made money. Uh, when we started out, um, our, the way we made money was uh, similar to how traditional listing platforms would make money. So uh, we made money through banner ads, we made money through promoted listings, this, that and the other. Um, what we then expanded to was, um, uh, you know, uh, how do I deepen the funnel for this consumer? And how do I also create more attribution in between the consumer, LBB and the merchant? So if we're in between these two, how do I increase the attribution from the merchant to the consumer and vice versa? 
uh, and then we built out a lot um, in in so we built out these two key ad units that have done stupendously well for us. Uh, one has been lead generation, where we've gamified how we help businesses generate leads, and the second for us has been O to O, where uh, we've created mechanisms wherein we can um, not just drive footfall to stores, but also very clearly help a store say, oh, I got ten thousand people in my shop through LBB. So an example is Marks and Spencer, right? Ran a campaign on LBB, got about ten thousand people walking into their stores in a matter of six to seven days, um, and again, phenomenal numbers, right? Given given our reach and given that we aren't the we aren't Google of local discovery just yet, uh, the way at which we've been able to optimize these two to help you know this attribution between the merchant and the customer has been amazing on the more um, content discovery side of our business. What we realized actually two years ago was um, that the future of discovery isn't just ending with a handshake in between the consumer and the merchant, but the future of discovery is how do I make this consumer access this product that they were seeking from this merchant as seamlessly and quickly as is possible. Um, and that's where commerce came in. So we always say that we're, uh, we aren't building LBB out to be a, an e-commerce platform at all. We're very cognizant of the fact that at the end of the day, we are a marketplace. Uh, we don't own any of this inventory. Um, we don't want to own, I mean, obviously time will tell, but we don't want to own any of this inventory. Um, uh, we don't want to launch private labels for this consumer. We're a, we're a middleman in between the consumer and the merchant. So... What we actually started doing was uh, we started up, we started um, getting catalogs from merchants um, and pushing that out um, on our app and web. And a lot of what we suddenly saw happening was consumers weren't just reading about the merchant. They were going through the merchant's catalogs and then they wanted to get in touch with the merchant to acquire that product that they really liked. Um, and that's where commerce was launched, where the goal became, how do I take a consumer from discovering a great product and a great local business to actually being able to buy from that great local business or that great merchant as seamlessly as is possible. Um, and the way that part of the business works is the same way the first part, the, you know, ad media sales type model of our business works, uh, which is LBB continues to be the middleman in between the consumer and the merchant. We do everything. We do uh, customer support. We do merchant support. As a consumer, you trust LBB. We are guardians of your trust. We will make sure the merchant gives a product to you at the price that they promised as quickly as is possible. But also guardians of trust for the merchant as well. Uh, so a merchant, if there if if there is a refund, return, whatever else, we will handle all of it for them as well. So that's where commerce came from, which is exactly what we've done on the content side of the business, where we have created trust in between this consumer and the merchant through information. How do we take the consumer and the merchant two levels deeper um, and turn that handshake into an actual transaction in between the two? It's really interesting because a, a lot of these platforms, even if you look at a Swiggy or Oyo, yeah. they started with this promise of being this platform that curates great experiences. And at some point in time, they fell for this temptation of hmm. uh, building their own hotel rooms, yeah. uh, units, or their own kitchens, yep. and, and so on. Uh, of course, it may be because they're life stages of a startup. Absolutely, and all yeah. But I just want to understand from you how easy or tough it is to stay with this, uh, you know, truism yeah. of not crossing that line. So I think, um, and you know, Swiggy and Oyo doing it 
to a large extent you can understand why um because um i mean if i take oyo's case right um obviously i'm not building that business so i can only speak from whatever i've read or whatever i know but um it is difficult to find good quality but affordable hotels in india um that is a fact right which is why you also on the other end of the funnel you've got businesses like trebo fab hotels etc or lemon tree right solving for that um but they're solving for that in a very different way it's the same problem statement solving for that in a really different way um and i think with businesses like those a lot of what happens is you have to you end up running into situations where you have to create the supply uh, to match the demand because you're seeing this overwhelming amount of demand which i'm assuming what would have ended up happening for swiggy as well right people are ordering a lot online but i don't want to order online what i eat offline uh what that what i mean by that is in my opinion offline is everything offline is becoming experiential i am willing to pay 500 rupees for the same sandwich that i could have ordered for 150 rupees to my house because now i'm eating at a restaurant you know i want a great service i want a great ambiance i want good music playing you know etc etc so keeping whatever i know about these two businesses aside and coming back to your question i think what we have seen is the opposite in the uh in the industry of uh lifestyle retail um and what i mean by that is we currently have about a thousand um businesses selling actively on lbb uh we've obviously got a hundred thousand businesses listed on lbb um that have been recommended on lbb what we have seen is all of these businesses actually have great products at great prices because that's india right like uh, india i don't know about you but i grew up shopping at local stores because they were cheaper than all the foreign international mass market stores right um uh, so what we found in uh, in the lifestyle retail segment is price actually is very easy to sort out over there um because these local businesses actually have great products at much cheaper prices than your you know uh, large scale retail counterparts that have come from different parts of the world to india so i think the price problem we're able to solve for i think the inventory problem which is usually what businesses run into which is when you go into your private labels etc etc and your margins is at any other um i think the inventory problem is something that um, you know i'm i'm 100% sure we'll run into as we guys scale but i do think that if you equip the merchant with the right tools to grow their inventory there is willingness there so i'll give you an example right um there's this merchant who sells on lbb he has a choti si dukan and i mentioned this the last time we met he has a very small shop in humayunpur and he has another store in saroji nagar now if you look at his store it looks like a roadside store right but what we helped this guy do is we helped this guy totally change the way his catalog is presented online um and today uh, we are the single largest driver of business for him um uh, online and pankaj i have to tell you this guy has like bent over backwards to sort his inventory out um and what we've seen is no one will say no to more to making more money if you're helping them out with a path to making more money right um if you're giving them all the tools and amenities that they need in order to scale that inventory up so currently my optimism lies in the fact that fortunately lifestyle retail has competitive enough price points especially when you look at medium to long tail and the second is at least the merchants we're currently working with 
they are happy to do whatever it takes to drive up that inventory problem um, and to solve for that inventory problem if they're given the right tools to. Okay. Oh, yeah. But things explain. could change. Um, yeah. Final set of a bunch of things I want to understand yeah. from you. Uh, if you were to look at uh, the key lessons or journey in terms of your product or hiring or some of the other building blocks, hmm. uh, I'm just trying to get a wrap from you. Uh, what have you learned from some of the biggest existential failures, if there were any, yeah. on on this journey? And can you like hand pick them and yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about yeah. a bunch of them? So I'll go through this quickly because I know I've been rambling a lot. Um, <laughs> the first one is um, I think we tried too hard to be original. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake we made in the first two two and a half odd years. Uh, where because we had a point to prove, we just worked too hard to prove the point instead of just focusing on move fast, right? Um, for example, you don't need the world's most innovative UI UX. Um, hiring great UI UX talent in India is tough. Do not try solving for, you can't be competent in everything, right? So pick and choose your battle. So I think um, we tried way too hard to be original in everything. Um, and I think um, the second we said, you know what, let's just play to our strengths and whatever we have to pick and choose from people who've done it well and delivered at scale, let's just learn from them and roll with it. So I think that that was one big mistake. I think hiring, um, we may, I have made so many mistakes uh, that now I feel like I've become a pro at hiring. Um, I've hired all the wrong people. I've also hired all the right people. Um, uh, I think for me, the big biggest mistake that we made in hiring was, uh, which and this is where we uh, where we should have been original, but we weren't, uh, is we tried to copy other people's organizational structures. So we looked at an Airbnb, we looked at an Amazon, we looked at all of these like great companies, and we tried to cut, copy, paste their organizational structures without forgetting two things that org structures take time to come into fruition, right? Um, you may start out with one organizational structure, but as you scale and grow, it will become more complex and it will change. But you can't go from zero to 100 overnight. And I think a few of the silly mistakes we made were we suddenly got into this thing of mujhe CMO chahiye, CRO chahiye, like, you know, I need my C-suite team because everyone else has this, you know, CXO, this, that. I think for us, um, uh, you know, we we just we 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 try to complicate what should have been a really lean organization, and I think that it took us eight months to undo a lot of the mistakes that we made on that front. So I think that's the second mistake that we made, and I think the third mistake that we that we made, um, but again we were quick to recuperate from it, um, uh, is we try to become very fixed in our ways. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's like if you've set, if you've set a one year plan, right? I like operating in plans. I like knowing what I'm working towards. Uh, but I think in that thing of, oh, we have to hit XYZ target month on month on month or quarter on quarter on quarter. Um, instead of re-looking at, re-looking at the problem from a different lens, we were just focused on making those targets happen. Um, and I think sometimes when you're working very dedicatedly towards your targets, you end up forgetting that I may be chasing the wrong number. I may have to backtrack a little bit um, and relook at what it is that I'm actually trying to solve for. And I think as a culture, right, um, and I keep telling all my colleagues this, which is we have to be comfortable with change. You may be doing something today. You may have to do like the polar opposite next week. There has to be a reason why you change. You can't change just for the heck of it. But be comfortable with 
what you're going after um, or the target that you're going after, be comfortable with that changing around a little bit. Um, because if you're very rigid in what you're trying to achieve, you may end up achieving it, but it doesn't mean that that was the right thing to achieve in the first place, right? Uh, and I think a lot of startups do this where they, where they put a lot of pressure on killing it at every metric, right? Um, we all have this laundry list of metrics that we guys look at. But in my opinion and what we've learned is it's really important to have that North Star. And everything else needs to sort of help you get as close as you can towards that North Star. But that North Star needs to be really, really clear. And everything else can come and go, can change, no problem. Uh, but don't deviate from how you define success. Um, and let that not come from other people. Let that come from what makes most sense for your business. Yeah, no, no the, the three learnings and three yeah. failures. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think for anyone to understand the local discovery yeah. you know, market in India or building a product, there's some great lessons. And, you know, just to answer you, the, the first comment you made about outliers. And <laughs> I think That all, was a joke. I, know, I think all outliers are, have their playbooks, right? And everyone, we, I mean, I have conversations for playbook. They are all outliers. <laughs> and that's how it is. Um, so, always, so politically correct. Yeah, I mean, oh it, my God. It, it, it's in the air. Politics. <laughs> so thanks so much, Sujita. Great talking to you. Of course, as always. <laughs>